Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Hey everybody, it's Noor Kidwai here with God, Yay or Nay. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. My guest this week is Karina Sky. Karina is a musician. She has uh, songs in so many different uh, genres, which is really cool. She's also an author and a yoga master. Her new book is coming out this June. It's called The Simple Art of Mindfulness, Reprogramming My Mind to Help Me Thrive. It's uh, part of a book series she has, which is called My Mind is My Best Friend. Uh, we had a great conversation. We talked a lot about uh, meditation, yoga, and she, uh, yeah, she took us into a really cool spot at the end, which I think you guys are all going to enjoy. Uh, please, if you guys are enjoying the show, uh, go give it a good rating, maybe even leave a comment or something. That helps out the most. Uh, it helps get this show seen to a lot of people. And uh, honestly, if you guys uh, like the topics that I'm talking about on here yeah share it with people who have uh to, with like-minded individuals uh that's usually how this thing spreads and I really do appreciate it but let's get into this week's episode everybody my guest this week Karina Sky. uh welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay today my guest is Karina Sky. Karina's a musician author and yoga master uh karina thanks for joining me thank you so much for having me it's an honor oh yeah i'm, uh, I'm really excited for this one uh meditation yoga those are two of my favorite things and hey i love music as well so it's uh, good to have an artist like you uh on the podcast um maybe for my listeners uh, can you give me a little bit of a background where you're from and how you got into music writing and yoga yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm originally from Brazil, so you might hear a little accent. I moved here in 2000, and I've always sang. I've always been a singer, and I was singing since I was three years old. First job was singing in a club <laughs> when I was 12. So that was my my route. And I've always also did ballet and art. So when I was doing ballet, I I, I got I dabbed a little bit in yoga. And I've always been very spiritual and very, you know, searching for spirituality. And I grew up on a Catholic school. So I was in a, a Catholic school from preschool to high school in the same school with nuns. So for a period of my time, I actually thought I could possibly turn into a nun because I really liked spirituality and I was not so popular. So I was buying kids. <laughs> so I was taking care of myself and... You will see all, you will hear, you read a little bit about this in my book. And that, that whole process of growing up and not being the popular one and kind of being bullied also really paved my diving into yoga. Because when I moved from Brazil, uh, I had a little hard time. And because of, you know, uh, lack of confidence, I guess I would say, I got into a bad relationship and got married really early. So by 12, 20, I was married and then it was about like seven years of a lot of struggle with my ex-husband he was a drug addict and you know and I was the this I had that savior mentality and 
So I continue with my music and I went to university and study musical theater and, you know, and continue with my career and I uh, started recording my own albums. I had a lot of struggles because my ex didn't support much, but, you know, I went to studios and cleaned up the studios in exchange for time to record music because that was always my passion and my, my meditation was music and stage. So I, I actually... Thanks goodness I pushed for continuing that in spite of my relationship and everything. But during my relationship, I was in a very dark hole and I always loved yoga. And But I never really knew what yoga really was because of ballet and dance. I just thought it was more of this stretch. And I think it was a lucky situation that I ended up going to a gym and there was a good yoga teacher there. And I wasn't the darkest of the darkest. My ex-husband was really into drugs and we were having a very hard time. Uh, no one knew what I was going through. He was abusive and I didn't want to tell the world and my parents and his parents and his job what was going through because I didn't want him to lose his job or even, you know, <laughs> his reputation of getting better because he was a recovering addict. So I just uh, started going to try to find other ways to just save myself as I'm diving into the situation on my own. And I, I met a teacher that started telling me about how you could, you cannot control your environment, but you can control your mind and the way you react to things. And that was the beginning of really like my yoga journey. And I was always studying spirituality. So I studied religion, many different types of religions and, and even went to the yoga for the religious part of it. And and meditation really helped me to just observe myself and observe the way I re would react to my ex-husband and, you know, and how we would intensify the fights and the danger. And, and I just started to see that I couldn't not do anything anymore for him. I couldn't help him, you know, and, but I could change the way I would react. And through a period of maybe five years, I was married for almost nine years, I, I changed my and I regained confidence and I was able to, you know, divorce and even my music changed for the result of that. And and long story short, today I'm here with a new husband, <laughs> you know, and I, I took myself out of the hole and I started really studying yoga and studying meditation and dove into that and changed the way I my programming, that's what my book is about, reprogramming my your mind to help you thrive. So I changed my programming and 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 just kept on studying and developing myself and finding the confidence to overcome challenges. And today I have uh, about 130 songs released. Uh, with a very a huge variety of producers, including electronic music from all over the world. I have a song coming out in two, three days with drum and bass. I also have a heavy metal band, and I also do a lot of yoga music, which is, that's why I want to tell you all this, because it's, uh, I think the, the process of everything I've been through opened my mind to be unlimited, you know, and, and instead of finding myself in one genre of music, I was able to just dive into other opportunities that I would be afraid before. And I just said, yes, why not? And that's where I am today. I'm a very versatile artist 
and yeah. I'm writing my first book in English. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Uh, like, yeah, you are very versatile. I can't believe all the different types of uh, music you're uh, releasing and doing yoga music, electronic music, acoustic, like all over the map. That's uh, that's amazing. I, I, I do have to uh, say like um, how you got into this from being in like how you were saying maybe like an abusive relationship or a, a relationship. Uh, you said you had the savior complex so like that's actually a beautiful way to say like how your mind can how your mind works like if you might have this savior complex that you constantly kind of keep going back to but it's just not letting you go anywhere and like when you found this like yoga teacher and like meditation and like can, can you maybe expand on like how you can like break uh like your patterns of like that kind of thinking that's keeping you in a bad relationship and like how you start seeing like uh, openings into something uh, new and like a little bit more healthier for you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I, actually my book is about. Uh, the name is My Mind is My Best Friend, uh, The Simple Art of Mindfulness, Reprogramming My Mind to Help Me Thrive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about uh, understanding yourself and studying yourself and Seeing that the goal, the purpose of every cell and including every human being is to survive, evolve and thrive. So uh, like how I got out of that was just starting to have a little bit of a glimpse. So I couldn't understand that at the moment, you know, that I had to understand myself and see where I'm coming from and see where I'm going. And we kind of know all this spiritual things. But what happened is that I think I started... There was a pivotal moment in my life that I started to see that my mind was a, a result of memories and the, the, the voices of everybody else in my life. So all the, the bullying that I had when I was young in high school and in preschool and middle school and, and even the bullying that I was suffering through my ex-husband and all the things that he would tell me, oh, uh, you don't even speak English. You don't, you're not, you're not good enough to, you know, be a singer. This is a dream of little kids. This, all these things became my voice. So I start, I started self-sabotaging myself because anytime I would take a, I would want to take a step that was there behind my head, that little voice that would say, do you really think you can do this? You're not good enough to do this. Uh, you know, like, you don't even speak English. And, and then I started realizing that that little self-talk that would hold me back was not really me. It was a lot of programming that I had. And that was what kind of like that teacher had gave me a glimpse of, you know, uh, when you meditate, you see your thoughts coming and you let them go and you don't react to them. And you start observing that self-talk and that self, those patterns that you have and how your own patterns that and habits that you create throughout many, many years have been sabotaging me. So I started journaling and observing even, you know, dreams and like my aspirations and why I wouldn't do things and why I wouldn't take that opportunity or uh, write that song that somebody, you know, requested because I was afraid of it because I thought that I wasn't good enough or I would write that song and never submit because I was judging myself. And that was not really me because there was one other side of myself that was like, oh, this is awesome. I can't believe I did it. 
So that is seeing that we all have this sides. We all have a negative side. We all have a positive side and we all have a neutral side. And as I started studying yoga, I saw that that's what you wanted to try to reach when you do meditation. You want to reach that neutrality and, you know, and be, you know, when your emotions are out of hand, that start clouding your your actions, if you're able to neutralize that emotional state, you return back into that neutrality. And maybe you can make decisions that will support your goal, which is survive, evolve, and thrive. You know, it took me many years to get to this (laughs) understanding, but it was a process of self-observation and seeing that our minds are actually a programming from our experiences that we lived and we need to reprogram our minds to support us in our highest goal of thriving. Yeah, that's uh, that's honest. that's honestly amazing. I love that. And uh, your so your uh, book series is called My Mind is My Best Friend and I have to say I love that name because um, like you were saying you found out your mind is a programming of um, your the people in your lives what they're telling you I I also notice that myself in my journey uh, also I notice culture has a big impact on your mind like what are advertising and like the stuff we see in television social media and- yeah yeah and like how it it constantly um it constantly bombards you with this like with these messages that can kind of give you a self uh, a self image that's really negative and um also like you were saying like you're trying to do creative work but then all of a sudden you keep questioning yourself and uh i think so many of us uh have this uh thing that or this idea in our heads that like uh how our mind can be an enemy to us how it can self-sabotage how it can like really hurt us in so many ways so just the whole name of your uh book series my mind is my best friend i i I just love that uh how you can turn it around and be like no now we can like reprogram our our mind and actually like bring in like actual uh use our mind to our, our advantage and our benefit right yeah that's it man we cannot do anything. We cannot change the environment. We cannot change what's happening. We cannot, you know, victimizing ourselves. Like I victimized myself for so many years because I see so many people, famous singers and songwriters that have nothing to say or they're not even great artists, you know, and you, you say this and, and you tell yourself, oh, that person just had luck, you know, and then you feel like I don't have luck and you victimize yourself. But it doesn't matter whatever is going on. You have one thing. We all have one thing. We have the, this amazing computer. Mm-hmm. Our mind and your body is your vehicle. And if you can use this, everybody that succeeded ever in their lives succeeded mostly because they figured out a way. They used their creativity, you know? Yeah. And uh, like you were saying, how you victimized yourself by even looking at other artists. I did the same thing in my comedy. Um, That's what I do. I'm a comedian. So, like, I did this exact same thing. And, like, you look at other artists and, like, all of a sudden you start um, bringing, like, resentful thoughts or jealous thoughts. And then this kind of puts you in just a really negative mood. And that's just a horrible place for creativity to flourish. So, like, uh, that's the reason, like, how you say reprogramming, it's like when you can actually look at other people and just kind of be happy for them or just not care about them and go to a neutral state, like, you can actually get yourself into a a more positive, 
um, mindset. And this is where creativity can actually flourish. And like, you can actually become a better artist because of that. Like, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And channel, man. I think I started like channeling too. When I would see somebody succeeding, if I felt that jealousy inside, I'm like, okay, you know, that person did it. I can do it too. <laughs> you know, and, and turn that into fuel and and just believe in yourself. Because if somebody, another thing too that I am super about it, and I re even wrote songs about it, is especially for artists, we are unique. No one has the, the backstory that you had and I had and the feelings that I had and the, and the lifestyle, whatever, whatever, all the elements together, you know, that create who we are is going to create something artistic that no one will create because it's unique of me, you know? So if I embrace everything that makes me unique, my art, no matter what, is going to be unique. Very true. Very true. And like, uh, yeah, you just have to really like, it is like a thing of like learning to really love yourself and learning to just be like, this is me. I'm going to like, just embrace it. That's uh, beautiful because you, you live, we live in a world where not everyone's going to love you. You have to accept that. But like the people who are going to really love you are the ones who are going to see you being like authentically yourself or just being the full you and like actually taking that uniqueness and oh. No, I really, I really love that. So maybe uh, when it comes to like reprogramming your mind, like uh, you said, like journaling's kind of helped you like actually like understand your mind. Uh, like what else has kind of like helped you understand your mind and like change these patterns and bring in like more positive ones? Well, that's, that's, you know, that's part of the book. It's that I think what has helped for me and it is my, my drug, what's, if I say, say that, is, is a daily practice of, I I'm not going to say yoga because people have a different, um, what people think it's yoga is, you know, headstands and, and pretzel exercises. But yoga is truly much more than that and encompasses meditation and mindfulness. But that's why I've, I named my book Simple Art of Mindfulness, not yoga, because I don't want people to even think that you have to have a stretch in order to conquer yourself. But what has helped me the most and what I've done for now 15 years religiously is self daily, a, a daily exercise of meditation and self-observation, which is what I talk in my book. It's the art of mindfulness. So I use art as an acronym, A-R-T. So as an acronym of your daily practice, so how you follow your daily practice, A is for acknowledgement and awareness. So you have to, in your practice, you have to, let me just explain like my practice and you will see. So I, every day I take 10, 15 minutes to sit down and have this A, acknowledge what I'm feeling and acknowledge what I need today and practice awareness. So I sit there and I practice awareness of my body, of my emotions and my um, mind. So you have three, three, three things that kind of compose yourself, which is a body, mind and your emotional state and also awareness of outside, you know, what mm -hmm. your environment is. So in a yoga practice or in my daily practice, I will sit, I'll take a little breath, I'll observe how I'm feeling 
physically, if I have any pain here and there, you know, that's where the asana, the exercise comes. You, you are going to serve yourself every day with what your body needs. You look at yourself mentally. How is your mind today? Is it racing? Is it sluggish? And, and you train that. You give yourself what you need to train your mind to be focused. You know, you feel that you're, that's, that was the meditation. Well, I need. I, I wish I had like a little paper for explaining to you, and ah. you can see it in the book. But hopefully, you're following me. So yeah, you set a little awareness of the overall of how you're feeling, and then you can, after you did a little awareness, you can give yourself what you need. So then you take a little moment. I take a moment every day to give myself what I need physically. I do a little exercise. If I have a migraine, I'll take it easy. If I have back pain, you know, you just start, you want to lose weight. You maybe do a little few jump ropes. But even that physical thing is important because you feel that you are loving yourself and giving yourself what you need physically, mentally, and emotionally. And then you go into the... Uh, relaxation which is the r a r t and you 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 relax and restore your system to a neutral point and then you go into the t which is transformation and thriving which is so you do the meditation and you transform yourself into your own best friend into your tool <laughs> for you to thrive so to answer your question in a better way that I use ART because I use the awareness and I restore myself into a neutral state and then I thrive. But what I've done every day and what I've been doing throughout years to help myself to get to that stage is just really take a moment, 10 to 10 minutes a day. It can be 10 to 15 minutes a day to sit with yourself in a silent place and just observe, understand, study yourself, see what you need that day. So you can, you know, today I'm going to take it easy. Today I'm going to push myself to go a little farther. And then the most important thing is at least three to five minutes of meditation. That's how you train your mind to serve you. Because the mind is racing all the time. And if the mind is racing all the time, it's going to pull you in many different ways and you're not going to be focused. You're not going to be able to respond to situations as they come. You're going to be reactive instead of proactive. So one of the most important things that I noticed to say, literally save my life is sitting and meditating three to five minutes a day and not reacting to my mind. I'll see my thoughts coming, I'll see them going, and I continue to just be that awareness. So throughout the day, I can use that awareness and I have discernment. I see a thought coming and I'm like, why am I thinking this? This is not helping me right now. You have the ability to see the thought coming and send the thought away and redirect the mind to where you want it to go. If you don't have that discernment and if you have not meditated and be able to have that relationship to observe your mind and understand that you are not your mind, if you've never done this, it's hard to do this throughout the day. It is really hard. It's a lot. That's why I'm writing a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that uh, ART. I love that. And uh, that is a great way. And like you said, 15 minutes a day and actually like just sitting there and doing that, observing your mind and like non-reactive, like that's just beautiful advice because like it is something everybody should be uh, doing. Um, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah. That's what I feel. I feel like it's the one thing, you know, I did, I did therapy. 
I did couples therapy. I, 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 I did anything you can possibly imagine. I studied religion a lot. I studied uh, even witchcraft and I did spells and I did meditation and Reiki. I'm a Reiki master and <laughs> nothing, has, <laughs> nothing has helped me as much as taking 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day and you know, doing the, a physical exercise, having a little breath and sitting with myself, loving myself, understanding what I need, resetting myself to that neutral state, understanding how my mind works, how my emotions work. And then throughout the day, I will remember that. And I have that empowerment that I love myself. I take care of myself and I am a yogi and I'm going to face life like a yogi. So ah, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, and you know what, like uh, how you said, like it gives you that power throughout the day because like I've noticed myself when I um, do not meditate in a day, like I do get lost in my thoughts a lot. And like when, when I, it comes to like uh, going into regular life and like my mind just ends up like taking me and then you're just like uh, you're in a spot where you're just compulsively thinking and you just kind of go with your mind and your emotions. Like you, you feel, you may think you have control, but you really don't have control. You're allowing your thoughts and your emotions to kind of like uh, guide your whole behavior. But like when you do that meditation practice earlier in the day, you can kind of see those thoughts and emotions first and like allow yourself to be like, Hey, Hey, though, that's not me. And like actually be able to like, um, consciously like go through your life and go through uh, the different uh, events and like it's such an empowering thing it's very true it is you become proactive instead of reactive that's yeah proactive instead of reactive I hope that's a quote in the book that's a good one all right uh, well so you um, like you said yoga you say yoga and it's not just the stretches. So like yoga is just like such a huge philosophy that has such uh, centuries and centuries of uh, wisdom in it. Um, and you uh, are a yoga master. So like, can you maybe give us an idea of like uh, how your studying in yoga came about, how long you've been doing it and uh, what kind of uh, different types of yoga you've uh, learned and uh, what's the one that maybe... Um, was the most influential for you? Yeah, of course. So I started with just, you know, exercise, hatha yoga, and like that very stretchy yoga because I did Bali. So that was kind of guided to Ashtanga yoga, which is more conquering the mind by conquering the body. And that was my first passion because I was a ballerina. But after I divorced my ex and everything, and this is very interesting too, because I feel like a lot of people want to do, you, you ask a great question, well, how many types of yoga? There's so many types of yoga. And when you decide to do a training, you have no idea where to go. So I just went to the cheapest. And the, <laughs> you know, the one that came up on when I searched and the times were good for me. <laughs> and that was my first yoga training. And ended up being uh, Shivananda style, which is, this was 10 years ago, was... Uh, it's a very traditional style of yoga. They use 10 postures and you really go through those 10 made postures and it's always the same sequence. They made it that way because every posture leads to another and you take care of every muscle and every bone of the body. But on that training, 
I started learning a little deeper that yoga was not only about that. And there are eight limbs of yoga, eight steps, as you can say. And, you know, the first and the second step is about the 10 commandments of yoga. So it's more like morals of things to do and not to do. Kind of like do, do not be jealous or keep yourself clean, you know, like stuff like that, which is part of yoga. That's mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Then you have exercise is one part then you have breathing which is another part then you have the relaxation which is another part and these eight parts take you on a journey of getting deeper and deeper within that self-observation and self-awareness until you get to the meditative state that leads you to that neutrality which is samadhi which is the eighth part so my first training of yoga i learned that Yoga was not only about this body thing and it had eight steps and I could find liberation. The step number eight is liberation and freedom from the suffering. And I was like, that's what I want. Freedom from the freaking suffering. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about the body. I did that. I did ballet. I can't put my leg behind my head. I'm not interested on that. So I go to start teaching and, you know, I cannot teach those 10 postures everywhere because people don't want the second posture is the headstand. And I start teaching at LA Fitness and I have to sign a contract that I cannot teach headstands. (laughs) So that's not serving me. (laughs) (laughs) So I go and Google again, another type of yoga and I found restorative yoga and I found power yoga. So I did other two trainings, 200 hours of training which one was for more exercise inclined and how to, you know, power yoga, hot yoga. And the other one was more rehabilitation, but I was still not fulfilled because I wanted the liberation of the suffering. <laughs> so now I know about a lot of anatomy. I know how to do chair yoga. I know prenatal yoga. I know also how to lose weight and do hot yoga and tone every single muscle, but I'm not fulfilled yet. <laughs> yeah. So. I go into the next training and I started doing some, um, I I just go, as a singer, I go to so many festivals and I got into, one day I went to teach in a studio and somebody told me, the guy did a a test on me and he was going to, I thought that he was going to test me as a teacher, but as I got there, he's like, no, you're going to take a class today. So I ended up taking a class and it was Kundalini yoga class. And Kundalini Yoga is all about breath. It's all about repetition. It's nothing about much stretch. And it's mind over matter. And I was mesmerized. After that, my whole body was tingling. I felt amazing. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's what it's talking about. And then I did 500 hours of Kundalini Yoga training. And that was, for me, the real transformation, because in Kundalini Yoga, you really study the mind and meditation, and uh, we do a lot of uh, mantras, so you're repeating things in your head, and you're training your mind to focus on that repetition, and you do the programming of the mind and everything, and and I started even getting into the yoga music in the Kundalini community, so I'm still very ingrained in the Kundalini community, but... This whole journey, Kundalini Yoga is very connected as well to Sikhism, Sikh religion. You know the Sikh religion? Mm -hmm. So it's more, uh, you know, use the turbans in the head and it's very related to mantra repeating and like prayer. And as as I told you, my 
entire life to in searching. I, I went through Catholicism, then I went to spiritualism, and in Brazil we call it spiritism, which is more mediumship and you know uh, spiritual healing and talking to the spirits. Then I went into Wicca, and I studied a lot of Wicca. As you can see, I have a band that is called Witch's Mark, which is a Wicca band, and it's my heavy metal band. Oh, nice. So I've done all that. You know, I've did all the spells. I did all the, you know, and then I go into Kundalini Yoga, and I stu after studying Hinduism from normal Shivananda Yoga, Buddhism from the meditation and the other yogas, and then now I'm into Sikhism. <laughs> And I started to, I don't know, I think it kind of got sour because, you know, I did ayahuasca trainings and all the spiritual callings and ayahuasca trips. I mean, uh, not trainings, but, and, and I just, well, I don't even know where we're going, but I think <laughs> the goal is that today I'm more into the, more the scientific thing about it and how it really has helped me, not in a spiritual way, I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to talk about that in the future, but I, I've trained in five different modalities of yoga and they're very common and very, you know, highly respected types of yoga. And I've studied different religions right now and I am in a different path at this moment that is more guided to the mindfulness and how we can really helpful, help you objectively on your daily basis than... Uh, uh, the praying part or the, you know, what's going to happen when you die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it's kind of taking you now you're more like uh, uh, how you would say that you're more into like uh, just kind of like in the reality, how it's going to help you right now rather yeah. than uh, any kind of spirituality. I took a little bit like a buffet. I took a little bit of each yoga style and you know, I, I created a practice. That's how I have the modern modern yoga academy. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I've heard that with a lot of people, like even myself, with when it comes to kind of spirituality, you kind of like get a little taste of a bunch of different things. But uh, once you end up like kind of going somewhere that actually uh, when it works, because you have to trust yourself when you when you feel that change and transformation in yourself and you actually see it happen and uh, you feel that then you can kind of say like, OK, this is actually helping me and uh, this is actually changing my experience. And that's where you actually kind of want to pursue that more. Um, yeah. So uh, like with Kundalini and breathing and stuff, uh, can you tell me like uh, what you've learned? Like, cause I, I, I just did a uh, Kundalini uh, a few times uh, when I was on a retreat uh, in February. So I did a Kundalini with a Kundalini teacher and it blew my mind. I was like, wow, this is completely different. And I've been learning a lot about my breath in the last year. I've been doing breathing exercises and it's completely uh, changed the way I meditated and like the way I actually uh, observe my body and I, I couldn't believe how much our breath controls everything, but like, can you maybe give us a little insight into what, like what, how, what our breathing is, how it like impacts our mind and maybe what you've learned with breathing and Kundalini? Yeah, of course. That's, that's in the book as well. So Kundalini yoga has been the most powerful because of that, because it's so not about the body and how to stretch and how you look. And it's more like internal, close your eyes and do it and breathe. And as you, when you're, when you're doing any breathing or any real yoga, 
the point is for you to go in turn and feel the body so your mind is not thinking about stuff, but it's focusing on what you're doing. So you're bringing the mind back to the present moment over and over. The breath is the number one key to bring your breath, to bring your mind to the present moment as fast as you can. And that's, that's you know, one of the eight steps in yoga. If you're taking a yoga class and they did not give you breathing at the beginning of the class, you can kind of doubt that's <laughs> because that's the first step. So in my book, I even talk about this. At any time that you feel that you are a little, you know, overwhelmed with your thoughts and your mind, if you start paying attention on your breath, your mind's going to go there. And then what's, this is where Kundalini comes because you start breathing and paying attention on your breath and then you create a pattern. But then all of a sudden the pattern becomes automatic. And that's when your mind is going to start wandering again because now you're not focusing on directing your breath. It becomes automatic a bit. But in Kundalini Yoga, so you're doing that breathing pattern, you know, at the beginning you got to figure it out. In the beginning you are focusing on the breathing pattern and then you got to do it for three minutes and then your mind tries to wander. And then you bring it back. And you bring it back. And you bring it back. And the more you breathe, the more you feel, you know, oxygenation happens. Your heart rate increases. You feel your cells, you know, getting tingly. You feel, you know, you're, you start to sweat. And you start, your body starts to respond to the breath. And you have one more tool for your mind to focus on. So that's why it's so powerful. And when you feel that tingling in the body... You have such an opportunity to exercise mindfulness and bring your mind to right here, right now, what's happening and what your cells are doing instead of letting the mind wander. And that is the, 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 the gift. If you're able to direct your mind whenever you need, you are going to succeed in life in anything. Because when you need to focus, you will focus. When you start feeling that you're losing yourself, you'll be able to bring yourself back. So when you're doing Kundalini Yoga, you're practicing bringing yourself back over and over. That, and it's the tool, <laughs> the key. That, it is the tool and it is, yeah, it is the key. And uh, yeah, that's such a beautiful way of describing it. And um, yeah, I, uh, that's amazing. I encourage, I encourage anybody listening to like develop some sort of breathing uh, exercise. And uh, yeah, hopefully... Uh, I can't wait to read your book and I hope uh, my audience goes and grabs your book so they can uh, get some insights on this too. Cause you said you talk a little bit about breathing as well in the book. I do. I do. And I don't, because it's not a yoga book. I don't, there's so many different types of breathing, yeah. in you, but I just use simple, you know, nothing complicated and something for you to understand. So if you need to slow down, if your mind is, you know, overactive, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling anxiety and you cannot stop thinking of things and you're getting out of hand, you slow down your breath and you can count how many seconds you inhale. You make slow, as slow as possible. You make it as even and cyclical as possible. So you inhale for how many seconds, you add a couple more and you exhale for the same amount and feel that cycle. So a slow breath is going to slow down slow you down it's going to relax now if you feel sluggish if you feel depressed if you feel you know lack of energy you cannot focus you're 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 low you're 
you know, you need to inspire energy. You want to get your metabolism going. If you breathe a little faster and deeper, you're going to get the heart rate going. You're going to get your body warming up, you know? So as simple as that, just breathing a little faster and deep. So just a fast and deep breath. We do breath of fire in yoga and a lot of Kundalini breath of fire, which is really fast. But, you know, if you've never done yoga and you go there, you can hyperventilate. So it's hard to, in my mindfulness book, I don't go into that. And unless you have a teacher that can really, or you can go on a YouTube video and and get to learn how to do this other type of breathings, you don't need that. You can just either slow down your breath or increase the energy in your breath, and that's going to help you. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, yeah, I've been, like, uh, like I said, I've been doing breathing exercises for a year, so, like, even I just did it an hour ago before this just because it it increases my uh, energy and increases my concentration. And, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, I yeah, I uh, hope people uh, pick this up because it's some uh, that's, like, also a message I'm really trying to spread. Uh, but like, hey, like I said, this uh, this podcast, uh, we have a name and uh, I really want to hear your answer to this. So, uh, Karina, God, <laughs> God, yay or nay? Nay, man. Nay. nay. Oh, really? Nay, completely nay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to maybe uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, huh. it's gonna. I'm gonna try to make it short. <laughs> but well, as you heard, my journey through spirituality and everything, and you know, I felt like there was a point in my life that I felt regretful to God. You know, I've I've always prayed every single night in my life. I had prayed, and I've been like I said, I was gonna turn into a nun. <laughs> and there was a point in my life around 2012, and I thought that. The aliens would come and the world would change and nothing changed. And I still felt like stuck on my situation. And I, I, I was an activist and I see the wars and I'm a very empathic person. I suffer watching people suffering and I see the people suffering in Syria and this. And I was so angry thinking, why, why would God want this and I had the answers that in my mind from the spirituality from the karma I had all the answers oh because you know you had you have to pay for your lessons all oh, because you gotta this or that but I felt like the belief of God and something else controlling my life and having a control of my destiny that was kind of the root of my depression because I felt like I felt like I, I, I don't have control of my destiny, you know, and even though I'm doing and doing, how come I'm doing so much and not getting anywhere or whatever it is, you know, like a little baby of a friend of mine that had cancer and died. Why? What did that baby do? What did that, you know, and, and that bitterness uh, was really brewing on me until one day I read a book and I'm going to I always talk about this book, too, when people ask me this question. It's called The Meaning of Human Existence, and it's by a scientist, I kind of forgot his name, but if you just Google The Meaning of Human Existence, you will see this book. It's a very deep book, but it's talking about the needs that we have for fitting in and the need that we have for having this father figure and somebody taking care of us, and and it, it can sabotage us as well because we will learn how to 
to have this blind faith and not question things. And we'll learn how to just, you know, uh, believe in what people say. And we'll just kind of give away our empowerment to others. So I, I it was a process. It wasn't like one day that I woke up and I was like, whatever, there's no God. Ha, ha, ha. You know, <laughs> after this book, it, it was like about a two-year depression stage that I went on and a process of, you know, I was I was in the middle of doing my Kundalini training and they're very about God. The mantras are all about God, you know, and you're praying to God all the time. And even at the beginning of yoga, you're asking God to come and teach through you of that type, you know, and, and I had done everything, dude. I had done, look, my parents, my, my grandma was a medium and spoke to the spirits. There is a lot about mediumship in Brazil. We do a lot of spiritualism when we, you know, we call the spirits. My parents, until today, they do every Monday night, they do a prayer and they call up the spirits. They do like a seance every Monday night. It's the spirits coming, but the freaking spirits. I did all the, the witchcraft and everything. These freaking spirits never came. It was all in my mind. And the more I observed, the more I studied meditation, I started to see the power of the mind. When you want to believe in something, you will see a spirit. I did. I saw many spirits. But then I questioned myself. It was my own illusion. I wanted to believe that I had somebody there saving me. I wanted to believe that my grandma was here. I wanted to believe that there's something else because it comforts me to know that I'm going to see my loved ones after. But this belief is not helping me because thinking that I have something else, I'm wasting my time right here. I'm giving my power to somebody else and praying and being angry because somebody's not listening to me and I'm having this crazy conversations in my head with the spirits that I always had a spiritual guide. Even my name is based on my spiritual guide, which was the star <laughs> and it never did anything for me. So one day I just dropped it. I dropped it completely. I stopped praying and I started to see in a different way. And that's what I talk in my book as well, but I don't go into spirituality because I don't want people that think I'm an atheist don't read my book. <laughs> but what I talk in the book and what I realize is that maybe we wanted to explain the knowledge of the cells and we named it God because this is part of what I told you before. Every cell, every molecule has a purpose to survive, evolve, and thrive. And the cells in my body right now, they're healing my body, or even the coronavirus is finding a way to survive. It's finding a way to transform, you know, to evolve and to thrive in that situation. My cells are healing my body. They don't need to think about it. They have this knowledge inside of them that guides them to do whatever they need to do. They just freaking do it. So it's an instinctual universal knowledge and universal drive. So maybe they wanted to call this God, and maybe that's what we call it, God. But that instinctual knowledge has no control over us. It's not like a puppet master. That, and that's what we have the idea, that God has control, that God is in control, that God, you know. No, that has no control at all. That thing just freaking happened. But if you meditate, if you can cal calm down your mind, relax your thoughts and your own agenda, and you connect to this instinctual, universal knowledge within every living being, you will intuitively know what to do 
in order to survive, evolve, and thrive. And you are going to go that way. Your morals will be inside of you because you, you don't need God to teach your morals. You will know that certain things you do will, will support your evolutionary and thriving goal and certain things will not support. So when you have that awareness, then the morals are in there. You don't need God to tell you, you shouldn't do this because it's bad. You shouldn't, you just have that instinct. So I started meditating and came upon this and I don't need any God. I just need the instinct of the, the natural, uh, I don't know what to call it, but it has no control over me. I just need to I have control of myself and I need to connect to my cells and my goal of thriving. And that's it. And if I thrive, I will create things that will impact the lives of others and help others to thrive and help the evolution of humanity. Ah, I love that. Um, I, I really do love that. And like uh, the one thing I uh, really do appreciate, like uh, you were saying I guess like uh, it seems like you have like the idea of like you want to connect to something like a more intelligent that's inside of you already that's um, kind of like a universal intelligence. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yes and no, you know, but I, that's the thing. I think people will say this is God. If you want to name this as God, as universal intelligence, but you can look at it a very simple way. You know, every cell has evolved. And in our DNAs, there is knowledge because they've been through certain challenges and they evolved and become wiser and stronger. So it is not that there is a creator that has the knowledge that is putting inside of you. No, the knowledge, we, I, we are the cells. We were that first amoeba cell that was on earth when, <laughs> you know, we were that. We were that little stardust. It's part of the knowledge that is inside and everything. We evolved into what we are today. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's a deep subject for sure, but uh, I do appreciate the, like, yeah, your honesty. It's kind of cool, like, uh, somebody who has, like, so many uh, uh, different uh, backgrounds and different religions and stuff. It seems you studied so many, and, uh, yeah, you got a very unique perspective, but, like, it seems like you also have, like, a very good idea of, like, having, like, a deeper connection with something that's actually inside of you that you can experience and yes. uh, that it helps you with your life. And uh, yeah. I really do have a lot of respect for that because um, that whole idea of like being like, hey, like now you don't, I don't need anything else taking my power away. I want to empower myself. And like you're using that power to be like, I want to use this to inspire other people and like help them empower themselves. So like that right there is freaking everything. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, you know, it has helped me, has given me clarity and a little more of peace, you know. Maybe one day I'll come back and believe in God again. I don't know. <laughs> you know, my life wasn't very ingrained in God belief for, you know, 20 years of my life. I'm, I'm Well, 25 years, I'm going to be 40 now. <laughs> so, you know, I, even my parents don't like that I don't believe in God anymore, <laughs> But it has given me freedom. So right now it has served my purpose to feel that, you know, I don't, I don't, my future and my destiny is not of anyone to take care of it but myself. Hey, I know, yeah, I have a lot of respect for that. I was actually going to ask you about your music. Maybe you can tell us a little bit because you said, uh, 
like uh what's all these different types of uh music that you're uh you've done and like uh released um and maybe i can we can get some people out to listen to some of your music so i call myself a recording artist today because i don't really i cannot choose one style of music where my path has led me i have done so many partnerships and, and collaborations with so many producers that so I started as a, a, a rock guitar and voice kind of singer and I did uh, when I was in university I did a pop album with uh, a, a pretty famous producer from the 80s and kind of didn't go anywhere so I, I kind of stopped playing guitar at that time and stopped you know doing the rock thing and went into this more pop and dance stuff. Then I met my current husband, which was, he was a DJ as well. He's a firefighter, but he was really into electronic music. And, you know, as a singer, I was a wedding singer, you know, always sang in the night to make money. That was my thing, bars and clubs and restaurants and weddings. And uh, I started uh, going into this electronic type of world and doing a little bit of emceeing here and there. And and just started meeting people through internet, you know, the internet started booming and producers would hit me up, underground producers, not famous people, but they, oh, do you want to put a, uh, your vocals on my track? And I always say yes, you know, yes, why not, why not? Because that's part of the learning, no fear. So today I do a lot of drum and bass music. I love drum and bass. Uh, I actually have a song coming out in, on the 18th. In three days, which is a drum and bass song with a producer from Brazil. I do a lot of freestyle music. I went into the, you know, freestyle from the 80s. You know, that free, not freestyling like I'm, I'm, I'm being a rapper. Freestyle music. It's like 80s music. It's coming back. So there's a new, a new movement, freestyle mu movement. So I have a couple records uh, by record companies of freestyle that has been there and kind of made like the top 10 of 2018 songs <laughs> so it's you know and I have my which is Mark heavy metal band as well which I just love it and I have so much fun with it and all the songs are spiritual and 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 all about self-empowerment as well they're not even though it's heavy metal and about witches it's nothing uh, you know, devilish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I still do my own, every time I feel inspired, I do a lot of yoga music and meditation music. I play flute. And that in my book, you see a little bit of that as well and the progression of how I, I, I broke myself from my own limitations and came back to play the guitar. My ex, my, my new husband gave me flute and said, your first instrument was the recorder. Why don't you play flute? And I learned how to play the flute. So it's just like responding to the moment. I kind of found myself in different styles. So I do have 130 songs released on Spotify and you might go a little on iTunes and you might go a little crazy, but uh, it's all, I think the, 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 the thing that unites everything is that it's, everything is mindful. All of my songs, they have a, a, a meaning, they have a, you know, it's, 
it's what we're living at the moment. It has, you know, even if it's a romantic song that talks about boys and girls or whatever relationship, it has a deeper meaning in it. It has the the little in between the lines because that's that's my thing, you know, the yoga in the music. But you know, I just if you if you have a song and you want me to put vocals on it, just hit me up. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. All right. I love that. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Karina. That's our uh, podcast. You were amazing. Um, let our guests know where they can get a hold of you and uh, follow you, uh, get your book and your music. So my name is Karina Sky with a knee in the end. S-K-Y-E. You can go to karinasky.com. You can find Karina Sky on Instagram, on YouTube, and now on Minds as well. I'm trying that uh, that that app. That's where I found you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Minds. Yes, <laughs> it's a good app. And I like the name because it's Minds, you know. So I'm like, I'll give it a try. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying it out too. Uh, it, it seems like it's a little bit uh, like new. Hopefully, I'll start uh, getting um, some uh, respect as like a social media platform. It'd be nice to see it grow. Uh, but yeah, well, and uh, what's your website? KarinaSky.com. I'll toss that on in the podcast in the description so everyone can get a hold of it. And is that where your book's going to be available on through your website? Yes, on Amazon as well. I already have My Mind is My Best Friend Mindfulness for Kids out and my the the new the adults version is I'm I it should have been already out. I'm still on my last uh, revision. So I'm hoping that by next month it's going to be out. I'm revi- revising the book one more time. It takes it takes a long time to write a book. This is almost 200 pages book already. So, but it's already done. But it needs to be revised because English is my third language. So. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, yeah. No, I can uh, understand that. So cool. Hopefully, uh, then June to 2020 you'll be out. You're hoping. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm for sure, man. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Karina, and uh, I wish you the best, and uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you, and good luck for you. May you thrive and help others thrive. Hey, everybody. That was this week's episode. Thank you so much uh, for listening. I appreciate the support. The best way you can uh, support this podcast is by going on to Apple or iTunes and rating this podcast. Um, If you give it a good rating and leave a nice comment, honestly, that's the best way to do it. Uh, Please check me out on Instagram or uh, YouTube under Newer Kidwai. I'm constantly going to be sharing clips of this podcast and also uh, telling you when new episodes are out and sharing a little bit of my comedy. So thank you so much uh, and uh, tune in to another episode next time on God, yay or nay.